Hello again, everybody. Welcome in. Patrick Johnson show on this Monday and a day in which uh, we will take the entire hour to remember and honor the life and times of the uh, longtime voice of the Pirates, Jeff Charles. Uh, Jeff uh, tragically and suddenly passing in New Orleans on Friday. Our sincerest condolences going out to the Pertee family, uh, Jeff's wife, Debbie, his son, Britt, and uh, please say a prayer for those folks and uh, for his extended family and uh, really for those that uh, really uh, worked with Jeff for a long number of years. We'll hear from some of them today, but also those that uh, knew Jeff for a number of years and to you out there uh, as well uh, who were fans of uh, Jeff's work. And uh, it's certainly a, a stunning and sad time. Uh, Jeff, of course, for I think 34, 35 years, somewhere in there, but pretty darn close to that, more than three decades, the voice of uh, ECU Athletics, representative for the athletic department. Jeff was uh, has done over a 1,000 basketball games, had done 15 bowl games, and had some of the most legendary uh, calls and chronicling what had happened through ECU athletics. There were a lot of uh, tweets uh, from Coach Houston, Coach Swartz, John Gilbert, other people in the ECU family, uh, announcers that he had helped along the way like Wes Durham, and uh, it's quite a legacy for, for Jeff Charles. We're extremely saddened at his passing at the age of 70, and I know our people here at the uh, station who had worked with him behind the scenes this year had... Uh, really gotten to know and, and really enjoyed working with Jeff. We're going to hear from a couple of people that work very closely with him. We're also going to have Cliff Godwin today. It's the start of our Inside the ECU Clubhouse series with uh, Cliff Godwin. You can hear that podcast every Monday during the baseball season about mid-morning, mid to late morning at 943thegame.com. Uh, we'll get some of uh, Coach Godwin's comments and thoughts on Jeff Charles as well. So uh, we're going to get underway here before we do and get our first guest up i did want to thank uh ben byram who's a little under the weather himself so get well soon ben philip pilkington chris uh, cook also uh ben and uh, dom for all of their hard work last week when i was out under the weather still uh getting the voice back rehab but uh things are, are going well and i appreciate everybody who reached out uh to me uh while i was convalescing in a sense last week all right, so let's uh, get things underway here on this uh, Patrick Johnson show, a special edition. And we'll start with uh, one of Jeff's uh, longtime colleagues and friends uh, and uh, one of the uh, best people you'll find, uh, the great Cy Seymour, joining us uh, here on our show today. Uh, Cy, thank you for, uh, you know, all you've done. I I'm not going to put your business out in the streets, but I know you've been uh, – with the family and, uh, and, and, and have been a great source of, uh, comfort for a lot of people during all this. Well, it's a really difficult time for all of us, Patrick. You're right in there with us. We all knew Jeff and, and, uh, known him for forever. I mean, you know, I was with you when, when you were young getting started with Jeff and, and, uh, it, it's a sad time because we lost an institution. I mean, we lost the guy. Uh, this is of all the, People, if you want to know the guy that represented ECU athletics for thirty some years and did it the right way, it's Jeff Charles, and it's and we were close. I mean, twenty two years on 
on in basketball and we roomed together in basketball. So, you know, this, this road, these road trips were wonderful and he just was a solid, good man. And, uh, our prayers go out to the family, and, and and I know how you feel too. It's it's, it's a really difficult time. Not to uh, impose on on the family, but I know you visited with them. Uh, how's his wife Debbie? His son Britt? How are they holding up? Yeah, uh, we went to see them and stayed the afternoon yesterday. And uh, Debbie is much better yesterday than she she's getting better, but it's still so difficult. I mean, she lost the love of her life, and and uh, and and she knew Jeff's lifestyle, what, how he worked, how he did. It's just tough when it's in another state, you know, miles away, uh, and so it's been very difficult to not be able to move on with this whole process because of just a tragic uh, a death. And and uh, but she was really good yesterday, and she told me, and I'm just telling you. She said the university people, the athletic department has been wonderful for her, to her, and the funeral home has been so helpful trying to help her. And she, she said that without me coaxing her. Right. She said that the athletic program and the university has been very good to them in trying to help and be supportive. You know, we are aware of Jeff, the uh, broadcaster. You spent a lot of time with him on the road. A little bit for me, but you spent a lot of time with him on the road, in cars, on airplanes, in hotels, at arenas, shoot-arounds. Uh, what would you want people to know about kind of Jeff the person? Yeah, what you need to know about Jeff, first of all, he had that Midwest that you hear about work ethic. He, he worked as hard for every game for ECU to represent it the right way. Now, that, that the first thing's first. Jeff did his homework. He knew every team. He knew everyone, and he did his job. He was always pleasant. Jeff was never, ever. We never had a crossword in 22 years. Never, not one. Wow. We went out. We went out to eat together. We enjoyed the experiences together. He was from the same generation I am. We, you know, we're, we're both 70, I'm 70 years old or better, and and. We loved athletics from the pure side of athletics. And he was so good in every sport because he, he played every sport that you did in Pickle. I mean, that's what you did. So a wonderful person, very caring, always helping others. When he went through his cancer, uh, he would always call and check on people and say, here's what I did. This is what helped me through those times. He always did that. He always stopped. Even after a loss or something, to talk to people that want to talk about ECU, never, never losing his composure, doing it the right way, and was a professional. Jeff was a a pro, and he was the pinnacle of being a pro. He, he was the, me. You know, you're good. You're saying I, I'm I'm emotional. I, I get mad when we lose, and Jeff could stay calm, focused, and do it the right way. And that's the way you have to do it. Patrick, he was just really a good person. That there's so many things going through my mind of how good he was. It, it, they all get bundled up. I mean, he's just a wonderful person and a pleasure to work with. And it's such a sad case. The great uh, Cy Seymour is with us as we remember uh, Jeff Charles voiced the Pirates today. 
uh, a sudden and uh, unexpected passing on Friday. And uh, Cy has been uh, someone who has uh, kept me up to date, but others as well, and has been a real rock, I know, for a lot of people. I uh, worked with Jeff for uh, more than two decades on the radio, calling a lot of basketball games, including what I would say is probably one of the the areas where it was a pinnacle, and that was winning uh, the postseason tournament, the CIT, a few years ago. Uh, and uh, the game that came down to a last-second shot in, in Utah. And that was one of those instances where he was going through some of his uh, cancer treatment and uh, just tough. And I'm not talking about his circumstance. No. I'm talking about him. Tough to do what he was doing and call the game. Patrick, Debbie went with him on that trip. They're sitting in front of me on the plane coming back. And Patrick, he was in bad shape. I'm just telling you. And Debbie was there with him to protect him. And uh, he did that game like he was healthy as he could be. But inside, he was really struggling getting over cancer and all the parts of the operations. But he did it. And you would never have known it. And, you know, we get back in at four in the morning, what he had gone through on the flight, what he had gone through during that game, he never batted an eye. He he was as tough of an individual as you'll ever see. You know, he worked out the day he passed away. I mean, he was working out. That That was Jeff. He he could outdo anybody, uh, and yet he could go in the gym too. I loved it. I said, you know, I, I thought about, I, this is something that's kind of me. I, I said, you know, I wonder if Jeff was a basketball player because he's strong. You know, he, he looks like more like a football player. But when we when we go in the gym and we're in there alone waiting for the team to come in to to do shoot around and stuff, Jeff could shoot. I mean, he could he could <laughs> he could shoot basketball. He could do. He could do the physical things that you can do. He could throw a baseball. He could do that kind of stuff. He was an athlete. and uh, But he always knew, and Debbie told me this, he always knew he was going to be an announcer. He knew early in life, that's what I'm going to do for a living. And, you know, he was at Illinois. He was at Virginia Tech, moved down here with Dave Hart because he saw the optimistic view of ECU, and he never left. Uh, and, and he continued to stay a pro and he had been at big times. He'd been in Atlanta, but Jeff never changed the part of it's going to be done right. I don't care who you're playing and it's going to be impartial. And he did. He did that as well as anybody I've ever seen. Um, so it's, we, we lost and, and you know this, Patrick, Wednesday night, we have to do a game. Yeah. With Cincinnati, it's gonna it's it, it's gonna be hard for us to look to our left, and it's not Jeff. It's yeah. not Jeff. Yeah. I, I, I'm just telling you, I, I, I'm gonna struggle with with not having Jeff Charles there. It's just hard, and I feel sorry for Michael Perry uh, on, on on the radio broadcast. Michael's done a great job, and he was there when Jeff passed. And you got to give your prayers to all these people that were involved. It was just a very very tough, sad time. You know, we're, we're remembering Jeff today, uh, but I, I'm glad you mentioned that because, uh, yeah, he was with the guys on the team when this, uh, tragic occurrence, uh, happened. And, uh, you know, I, 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 when you're saying your prayers for, for whoever and, and for Jeff's wife and his son and, um, 
and his family, you know, say something for these uh, young men and, and staffers and coaches who were there. And, uh, you know, that, this has got to be tough on them, I have to imagine, too, Sign. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And they all are troopers. I mean, give those, give the team, the coach, and I'm going to tell you, the administration, the administration was all on top of this. I'm just telling you, they did a good job. And, <clears throat> but I'll tell you, Patrick, just as a side note, uh, I think I answered on Friday night, I would say between 7.30 and 10 o'clock, 80 text messages to me from all over the country Yeah, uh, about Jeff. And, and literally what I did, I was so tired and so mentally, I just said, I'm going to wait and do the rest of them tomorrow. I was just, it was just a, it was a draining, tough time. And the whole weekend was like that. And, and, but it was all, it was, it was people from Washington state. It was people from Dallas, Texas. It was pe- people from uh, New Orleans. It was people from Philadelphia. It was players, ex-players somewhere saying, I'm so sorry. And, and you, you have to text them back because these are people that, that love Jeff and love what he did and how he, he affected their life. And so that you just do that. Uh, coaches, I, I think I had four coaches that were form, formerly here that said more than that. I, I'm not thinking right, but you have, uh, you have assistant coaches and things like that that say, so I'm so sorry. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and Jeff is gone, you know. It was just a really tough time, and and and, and I hate to say, it, but well deserved for Jeff. I know that sounds awkward, but he deserved. He he he. There's nobody like him, and and, and you won't see a Jeff again. You just won't see that. And uh, we, we we were lucky enough to have him with us for 30 years uh, to see his professional attitude and what he did. And I was lucky enough to have him as a friend that whole time. And and you did too, and and uh, we're very fortunate. Cy, thank you. Really appreciate the time, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you later in the week. Patrick, you know how much I love you and what we do. You take care, buddy. Thank you, Cy. The great uh, Cy Seymour there. Uh, Kevin Monroe had spent the last couple of decades with Jeff Charles calling ECU football. We'll hear from the Greenville native and uh, ECU defensive back pirate football alum Kevin Monroe on Jeff Charles next. I never meant to call you. We're continuing to remember uh, Voice of the Pirates, Jeff Charles. Thanks to Cy Seymour for being on, and we welcome in uh, Jeff's colleague for the last several years on uh, Pirate Football Broadcast, Kevin Monroe, Greenville native, uh, joining us, Pirate player. Uh, Kevin, thank you for taking the time here on this uh, day where we uh, talk about Jeff. Yeah, no problem, Patrick. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, I think it's great, by the way, that what is essentially the last broadcast you guys will have together was a win in a dominant football game performance. It just seems even more poetic. It was good for, for you know, Holt Nailers and that group of seniors, but uh, now knowing where we are, even a little more uh, sort of uh, symbolic and poetic in many ways. Yeah, especially for me because I didn't get a chance to travel this season, uh, you know, being that I just only did home games. And so it was the first game that I traveled to all year long. Uh, so to be on the road with the guys, uh, you know, to be in the booth there 
in, in Alabama uh, for the bowl game was special, as you said, for Holton Aylers' last game and, and now for, for Jeff Charles' last football game. Uh, I'll always remember that game um, and, and what a fun game it was as the Pirates played so well. Uh, so, yeah, definitely a good memory, uh, both in Pirate history and both in the history of, of, uh, of calling games with Jeff Charles. Kevin Monroe uh, on the line with us uh, here as we talk about uh, the legacy and, uh, and and Jeff Charles. Obviously, you knew Jeff as a player. Uh, so going from a player to uh, a member of the media, uh, how was that? How did that kind of relationship uh, develop? You know, as far as dealing with him uh, and you guys interacting as as player and media, you know, announcer and then colleague. Yeah, uh, Jeff took a liking to me early in my career because as a freshman, uh, I played a ton of special teams and, uh, and, and Jeff just kind of loved the excitement that, that came with me running down the field and making tackles on special teams. It kind of became my thing and people, you know, would look out for me on punt, punt coverage and kickoff coverage. And so I, I can just think back to listening to radio broadcasts or uh, television broadcasts where, where Jeff was doing television and hearing him talk about how excited he was to watch me play and uh, getting to know me and from Greenville. And so I just always really respected him for that, uh, for just, just noticing, you know, how hard I was working. And then, you know, I started to get interviewed after games. And obviously as I got later in my career and, and became more of a factor on the defense, uh, getting a chance to do press conferences and things, he, he was just always uh, really, really good with me. Uh, we just always got along really well. And so, uh, the transition was fairly easy. I, I didn't, I didn't do communications or anything in, in college. I was a business major and had never planned on getting into radio, but just kind of fell into it. Uh, I'll say that story pretty quickly, but essentially my first job out of college, I was a financial advisor and the firm I was working for, uh, was doing ad spots on, uh, the pregame show. Um, and so, you know, it was like, you know, so and so's keys to the game. And after the first week or two, they said, hey, since we have a former football player working here, can he come on the pregame show and do the keys to the game live? And and uh, and they were like, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And so I went, and they thought I did a good job. And, and so I ended up doing uh, a few more of those spots, you know, that season and, and, and carried on to the end of the year. And then – the broadcast kind of took notice and they were like, huh. And so when, when, when Marty Fuhrer decided to come off the sidelines and go into the booth, they reached out to me and said, Hey, would you like to do sidelines? And I thought, of course. I mean, I would have done it for free. <laughs> they, paid, they paid me a little bit of money, but I would have done it for free. And so, yeah, I mean, that was, that was 20 years ago. I was on the sidelines, um, and did that for three years. And then as luck would have it, Carl you know, Crumpler senior decided to step aside and uh, they needed somebody to do color commentary. And, uh, and so I did 17 years of, of color and, and three on the sidelines. So this was my 20th season. Wow. Jeff. Um, and it was just, it was just that simple. And, and as it, when it started, I didn't, I didn't know anything. I, you know, I, I told myself, do these two things. Don't step on Jeff when he's talking, because obviously I spent some time with you, Patrick, doing high school <laughs> games. So I, I, I kind of knew how that worked. I said, don't, don't step on him when he's talking. I, you know, stay quiet. And then, you know, make sure I do some preparation. You know, have, make sure I knew players' names, positions. I didn't want to just get on there and just sound like they just grabbed me off the sidelines. I didn't know what I was talking about. And so I did my prep work, 
and I did step on Jeff, and it and it went well. And, and he didn't he didn't have a whole bunch of critique for me. Uh, he just said, "Hey, you're doing great. Just you know, he, he might give me a couple pointers after after right. every game or so." Uh, but yeah, it just it just it was a, it was a pretty seamless transition. Uh, Kevin Monroe's with us here. I, the thing I would think that he liked about you as a broadcaster, because he was very direct in a lot of ways, uh, was how candid. And, and it's the thing I enjoy about uh, your guys' broadcast on, on football games is kind of how candid you guys are, because there's been some lean times, uh, yeah. and but just how frank you are about that. And I, and I think he appreciated that, and I'm sure you appreciated that out of him. There's no question. That's the thing that helped me a lot early on was the fact that Jeff didn't go to East Carolina, right? And so although he was very, had a, a ton of allegiance to the university, he wasn't a homer. Like he, he could call the games how he saw them and it wasn't a feeling or emotion where I was sitting next to him and everything was emotion for me. So I had to dial it back and just remember, Hey, I need to be doing this game as if, you know, someone for West Virginia tuned in in the area and they wanted to listen to us play West Virginia and not feel like they couldn't listen to the broadcast because we were being too much of a homer. So, uh, we, we, we did that and, and it kind of taught me how, how to call games based on the way he handled things. And, and honestly, I started in 03. If you remember 03, 04, that's like John Thompson era and we were just bad. And so it, it was no pressure on me to, to sugarcoat it, to say, say what we were doing well when we weren't doing anything well. And so it kind of taught me early on that, hey, this is what it can be like sometimes. Just tell the fans what you're seeing, and they'll appreciate that. The thing I always uh, was impressed about with Jeff was uh, kind of his level of how he was prepared for things. And and you mentioned, you know, when you moved up to the booth to, to be prepared, did did you observe any of that and pick up some things that, that helped you along the way? Oh, my gosh. I mean, his, his board – like the, 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 the call boards that he put together, you know, the week or week leading up to games were just unbelievable. He, he had so much information on there and, and it was important, especially when games were a blowout because he would just have to fill time and just talk and he could talk about coaches. He could talk about players. I learned stuff about players and coaches during games that I had no idea about. So and so's dad was in a go-go band. So and so's mom ran track. And all this crazy stuff that Jeff would come up with that I didn't, that I didn't see in my research just because he was so meticulous. He would talk to the, the, uh, the play-by-play guy or the color commentator for the other team before the game. He, you know, he would talk to the AD or the, or the SID and he'd just get all this information. Uh, and he was just so good at putting it all together and having it having it ready and setting the scene uh, for everyone. Listening. You know, that's an interesting point. Um, as far as, you know, administrators in the conference, other coaches in the conference, but especially other broadcasters uh, for opponents, they all really, really liked Jeff. They had a lot of respect for him, it seems. I mean, everyone did. Uh, you know, he was just a nice guy. You know, if, you, if he didn't like you, you wouldn't know it. You know, he, he'd keep it to himself, but he just – he was a nice guy, and, and, and he was full of information. He was always willing to do a, a radio call-in show or, or, or have an interview with someone from another team to give them information about the Pirates, you know, because that was kind of the, the norm in the industry. And, and obviously he'd call them back to get information about their program. So, yeah, it was just always a good working relationship. Uh, he, you know, he never shunned anybody. If you came in the booth and wanted to shake his hand, he was there to shake your hand. And, and all the time we have people come up that were maybe guests of our AD or guests of the chance or whatever that would come into the booth during the game and would kind of stand behind us and, 
as soon as we went to commercials, Jeff would stand up and introduce himself and shake people's hands. And he was just always like that. So you probably didn't have, you know, a, a bad uh, meeting with Jeff Charles. I mean, you, if you saw him and he was in the middle of doing radio or, or whatever, he was always willing to, to say hello. And here's, you know, something, and, and it may invoke a story, it may not, but, you know, radio, as much as we love it, it doesn't get all the respect maybe it does in this modern time when you go to a visiting stadium. Uh, sometimes you have a great booth. Sometimes you're in a broom closet. So uh, any, anything that kind of stood out that uh, was sort of a fun or unique place and you kind of marveled at his ability to overcome it? Oh, gosh. There was, there was tons of places that were just really weird. But I can remember uh, there was a time where Houston was transitioning from the stadium that they're in now. Uh, they were in kind of a, a city high school stadium almost. And at one point, if there was television there, they might be taking up all the good booths. And so they literally stuck us like outside on a roof under a tent, uh, kind of at a weird angle. And so trying to navigate that, you know, if there was any weather happening, being outside, uh, in that crazy stadium was kind of weird. Uh, just, just, Places all around the country were, were different, and, and that's where David Horn came in because David was so good at adapting to all situations. It's funny, before David Horn, we had an engineer that will, that will remain nameless, uh, <laughs> but he was, he, he was no David Horn. And so most, most games when I was on the sideline, I couldn't really hear uh, the broadcast you know, coming, you know, coming directly from Jeff in the booth. I would have to listen to it like on radio. Uh, and as you know, there's a delay going on, blah, blah. And so I wouldn't necessarily know when they were coming down to me. So Jeff devised this plan where when he was about to come down to me, he literally would hang out the window of the booth. I'm on the sideline. He'd hang out the window of the booth and he'd wave some sort of highlighted colored paper. So it'd be like an orange sheet of paper or a green sheet of paper. And I would look up there and I would see it and then I'd just start talking. And so that was what I would do all the time and we just laughed because we were like, I don't know why you can't hear us and, and we and, and, and you know, during the normal broadcast, but we need you for you to say stuff. So when you see me wave that paper, know that it's your turn to talk. And so that that's just kinda of how we adapted to different situations. Uh but we went to all these different uh, gosh, in twenty years, you know, we, we must have went everywhere around the country. There's places that we that we really like to go, uh, you know, going to going to Cincinnati, you know, Jeff spent some time in Ohio, obviously, and so he would take us out to his favorite uh, dinner places in Cincinnati. Um, Memphis we went to quite a few times because of bowl games and just playing Memphis on the regular. And, you know, we'd go to one of the rib joints and, and have a good meal and, and uh, enjoy our times there. So it was, it was sometimes where we where we where we threw it up, and then there were some times where it was just classic Jeff where he's like, I see a Denny's up the road. Let's go to Denny's. <laughs> And uh, at, at one point, I just kind of stopped going to dinner with Jeff. And I was like, we're in one of these fun cities where you're going to do something fun. I don't want to go to Denny's or Wendy's on my, on my, uh, my trip. Uh, Kevin, hey, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. And uh, your your uh, stories, that, that's some good stuff. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you soon. Thanks a lot. No problem. Thanks, Patrick. Cliff Godwin's thoughts, and we'll go inside the ECU clubhouse with Coach Godwin. Right after this, other side of the break on the Patrick Johnson Show.
Today starts our weekly visits with Coach Cliff Godwin as ECU baseball season gets underway end of the week. Coach Godwin joins us uh, here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, Coach, great to talk to you, and I hope you're well. I'm doing good. Thanks, Patrick. I appreciate it. Tough times uh, in Pirate Nation over the weekend, uh, the uh, sudden and unexpected passing of uh, Jeff Charles. And, and I know Jeff, huge baseball fan, called some of the uh, Pirates games over the years, but also uh, would have you on the radio shows from time to time to talk about the program and, uh, like yourself, a, a great ambassador for our university. Yeah, just shocking news. Uh, you know, I found out early Saturday morning um, through our athletic trainer. I just couldn't believe it. I actually spoke to Jeff for about 15 minutes last Monday. He was so excited about starting uh, a summer league baseball team in the Great Lakes League up in Ohio. And he just was trying to get some input for me, but so excited and he sounded great. And, you know, I told our players, you, you just never know when it's going to be the last time you're going to talk to somebody. And, um, you know, I took that conversation for granted, like I'm sure a lot of us have in the past with other people. And, but Jeff will go down as one of the pirate greats, you know, when you think of pirate football and pirate basketball and just the big game wins and stuff, Jeff was always announcing it. So, uh, I'm so appreciative of his service to East Carolina athletics and he'll truly be missed, but he'll live forever, you know, um, as being the voice of the pirates. You and I are around the same age, so we remember. I'm older, but you and I are around the same age. <laughs> but we, but we remember, but we grew up in the East, and we grew up at a time where not every game was on television. So I mean, this guy was the soundtrack for all those ECU football and basketball games as we were kind of coming up. Yeah, I mean, he he was the guy that you you heard the the sportscast from uh, my buddy Garrett Blackwelder who played here. He does a great impersonation of Jeff Charles. <laughs> and just, a, it's you know, I can laugh about it right this second just because all of the memories I have of Jeff are just great moments, you know, and he had such a passion for East Carolina athletics. And um, back, I was telling big guy on Saturday, Matt Maloney, my earliest memories as a, a player here at East Carolina when the weight room was in Ward, and it was very small that – Jeff Charles and Big Guy will be in there doing curls <laughs> and just getting after it together. So uh, a lot of great memories of him. Like I said, uh, he'll be remembered forever as the voice of the Pirates. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we've got baseball starting uh, this week. Coach Cliff Godwin is uh, with us uh, here. And uh, we turn our attention to uh, an exciting 2023 Pirate baseball season. Coach, as you look ahead to uh, the start of the, the season and uh, we reflect on just how special the year concluded in 2022 in the Super Regional and the atmosphere, it just seems like a program that already had a lot of uh, wind at its back even gained some, some further forward momentum. <laughs> well, I'm just, uh, you know, hoping we start off a little bit better than we did last year. Right. That's, uh, that's my hope. And uh, the guys have, you know, turned the page and, the older guys have led this group to this point and really had a ton of intent energy in whatever they've been doing. I've said this a lot, but uh, I, I haven't said that in the past because at times we, we haven't, you know, always been hungry when we've been successful. And this group has stayed hungry no matter, you know, what preseason accolades they've gotten or anything like that. So that's been neat to be a part of. When you discuss that as far as guys coming in and doing their jobs, 
what what does that entail? What what is it just the way they go about their business? Is it the way that they lead the younger players? What specifically uh, have you noticed? Well, you know, the the easiest comparison for me to be able to give people is after the 2017 season, that fall of 2017, you could have told that group to do anything. You could have told them to go run five miles, to go swim five miles. It, it really didn't matter because they were super hungry coming off a disappointing 2017 season. And I, I've said this in the past, and it seems like 10 years ago, which it hadn't been quite that long, but the best thing that ever happened to ECU baseball since I've been here was losing that conference tournament championship game in 2017 because we could reflect and make sure we tighten up some of our culture issues. And um, last year, I think, was another eye-opening experience with the beginning of the season starting the way it did and us having to maneuver through some things. But once our older guys took it upon ourselves and took it upon themselves, excuse me, to just make sure everybody was being selfless no matter what their role was. You know, we took off and had a 20-game winning streak. Obviously, you can't ever bank on a 20-game winning streak, but super special to be a part of. But, you know, just going back to the fall, this group has shown up, and no matter what we put on a piece of paper to do for practice or workouts or anything, they have just gone out and executed at a high level and not complained. And um, that's the, the fun part of being a coach. When you get a group that can do that, then – you feel pretty good about your chances in the spring. ECU baseball coach Cliff Godwin with us. Some of the final preps this week before ECU opens the season at 4 Friday against George Washington at Clark LeClaire Stadium. Opening game of a three-game uh, series. We'll have it for you on 94-3, the game beginning at 3.45 that day with uh, Scooter and Coach O on the uh, call on uh, radio. Uh, coach, when you, you look at uh, how the scrimmages have gone, the last couple of weekends, what's the update for the fans on, on the way that uh, these guys have kind of gone about their business the last two weekends in preparation of the season starting? Well, they, they've done a good job. Um, you know, we have maneuvered through weather. Actually, our preseason weather's been pretty good to be able to get in what we needed to get in. At times, it can be iffy in this area, but it's been really good. Um, we did not scrimmage yesterday with the way the weather was, but we were able to lift weights, and then today we're actually going to scrimmage for about five to seven innings and get some relievers out there and then kind of go into a normal practice week after that so to get ready for Friday. Let's talk about some of the players uh, and Jacob Jenkins Coward has kind of filled out uh, a little more. He'll move to center field this year, uh, it appears. Uh, tell us a little bit about his offseason and uh, what you're expecting out of him as uh, the season begins. Well, Jacob's continued to push himself and, and especially in the weight room. Our, our strength coach, uh, has worked really hard. Um, Coach Dennis Wilson, he's put on a few pounds. You know, the, go the goal is to keep those pounds on him throughout a, you know, a long regular season and postseason. So, but he looks great. He swung the bat great. Um, he's played a good center field. You know, he's most likely going to start in center field on Friday. Um, but he also can go back to right if we need him to. Um, the outfield, we we've got a lot of guys out there that have done a really good job. Um, not just Hoog and JC, but Carter Cunningham, uh, Luke Nowak and Riley Johnson. So any given day, all those guys could get some playing, um, opportunities and they all bring something different to the table. Yeah. I was going to ask you about Lane Hoover, uh, just continues to be a steady presence in this program. He is. He, he actually hit a home run this weekend. So, uh, <laughs> the guy, the fans that were here were pretty, uh, pretty excited about that. So, um, Hoover is 
been steady at it like always and just a great energy source for a program. So, so a big home run year for Lane Hoover. Is that what we're, uh, uh I don't know about that, but it, uh, it was awesome, yeah. um, for him to hit one. Um, he's hit a couple in his career here. Yeah, sure has. Um, you were real and have been real impressed with, uh, what you have behind the plate. You, of course, uh, Coach Cobb who played catcher for the Pirates, but with Ryan McChrystal and Justin Wilcoxon both, uh, could be in the lineup at times, uh, even if one of the other ones is starting behind the plate. Yeah, absolutely. Both those guys are uh, good catchers. Um, I don't know if any program in the country has two catchers at that ability. Um, they're special back there. Um, they both can really swing the bat. Uh, McChrystal is actually dealing with uh, some hip back stuff, so um, we're hoping he can go this weekend, but we're not 100% sure if he'll be able to go or not. But um, when he can go, you know, we'll put him in there, and we just don't want to rush him back for opening weekend if he's not ready and uh, make it worse going throughout the season. Yeah, that that's one thing you all are really cognizant of. You you make sure these players are uh, taken care of physically, and that's that's an impressive uh, uh, thing. As you say, a lot of these guys have an opportunity to have some uh, some baseball uh, to be played beyond uh, their time at ECU, and you guys are really cognizant of that. So uh, hats off to you all. Would you, would you talk about the infield? Uh, how is that shaping up right now, Coach? Well, A-Mac will play third to start with. Uh, shortstop, uh, Joey Barini and uh, Nate Chrisman have played great. Um, so you'll see both those guys at short at some point in time. Uh, second base, uh, Jacob Starling. You can see Connor Rasmussen there. Uh, Rass has really swung the bat well. Um, he's kind of a utility infielder. He's going to get some at-bats this year. Will it be coming off the, the bench or somebody gets hurt? You know, he can really play anywhere on the infield. Um, and then first base, Josh Moore and the Cam Quanch both have played well. So um, that kind of rounds everything out. But uh, Dixon Williams as well, utility infielder, um, his best days are definitely in front of him. A lot of versatility, uh, as you mentioned, in the outfield and, and even on the infield as well. Uh, and, and that seems like the type of player that you really want to have in the program you were a, a multi-sport athlete too. Uh, you, you've been co- you've been quoted in the past talking about there's an appeal to to athletes that have played more than just baseball growing up, isn't there? Yeah, it is. I mean, you look at Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he was uh, a top-notch baseball player, and now he's one of the best to ever do it in uh, football. So, uh, Raff, he played high school football as a high school quarterback. And we got other guys as well that played high, high school sports other than baseball. So it's definitely a benefit, but just going back to the versatility, I mean, our coaches, you know, Coach Palumbo with the infielders is always moving them around. We always want to be prepared for the worst. You know, as a coach, you go into the season hoping that there's multiple guys that can play multiple positions just in case you have an injury. So Coach Palumbo does an unbelievable job preparing those infielders to be able to play multiple positions. We're talking to uh, Cliff Godwin getting ready for the uh, Pirate baseball season, which will start Friday against GW uh, inside of Clark LeClaire Stadium. Pitching staff has a lot returning. I know you all are really high on the uh, the group of sophomores uh, in this uh, group uh, on this roster. Kind of go through that, uh, if you will, as far as uh, how the pitching is shaping up for ECU. Well, I'll give you the starting rotation just because uh, I don't know if I've ever given it this early. Um, but we told the team yesterday, but Spivey's going to go on Friday night. 
the Savages are going to go on Saturday and Groves is going to go on Sunday. And, um, you know, a lot of guys that have pitched really well, it's been very competitive in the preseason. Uh, Sailor's going to start out in the bullpen. Um, but, you know, he could go into a starter role as well. Charlie Hodges keeps coming. Um, and you could see him in a relief or starting role. Uh, Tyler Brock from BMI has, has pitched really good out of the bullpen. So you got those guys and then, there's a slew of other guys that will be ready to go when their name's called. So um, they'll they'll be able to get anything because, as you know, it's a long season and you play a lot of games. So we're excited about some of those young guys getting out there, um, whether it be freshmen or sophomores. Uh, with uh, the the way that, that starting group that you mentioned the weekend, uh, let's start with Carter Spivey. Obviously, he has uh, added a lot to his repertoire and uh, has – has, uh, you know, spoke a few weeks ago in the preseason media day of, of being, of, of just gratitude and being able to be a part of this program still. So, uh, seems like a, a top, top notch. Everybody on the roster seems like they are, but, but he especially, uh, just seems like a top notch guy. We know he's a talent and a heck of a competitor. Yes, Bobby, you know, everybody kind of knows we've talked about a lot about the, you know, verse that he was hand, handed to, um, or had to go through, I should say, you know, his first few years here and, um, just kept working, man, just kept working and it's a great teammate and had a great year last year and then, um, has an opportunity to come back and, you know, be in the weekend rotation. He's worked with Coach Knight on his fastball command and continue to develop other pitches. And he's a fifth year senior, man. The guy's seen a lot, you know, him and Sailor, when you talk about pitchers, pitchers, They've seen the greats. They've seen the bads. They've seen the in-betweens. They've seen, you know, the arm not feeling good, whatever it may be. So you have a lot of confidence when those guys go out there just because they're going to be in a managed situations that maybe a younger guy couldn't manage at times. And that coach with, uh, you Savage and Groves, uh, in particular, you Savage, I know you all are really high on the tools that the uh, sophomore has. You Savage has got real stuff. I mean, he's got, you know, Friday night stuff. It's, uh, you know, big time fastball, but the thing that has continued to just develop is he's worked with Coach Knight with a bunch of all speed pitches. He's got a slider cutter. He's still got a breaking ball. He's got a split that he can throw to the lefties now. It's like a change up. Um, super, um, in the zone, so to speak. He throws a lot of strikes. I think he threw like 48 out of 64 pitches were strikes on, on uh, this past Saturday. So, when you have big time stuff and then you're getting in the zone and getting ahead of hitters, it makes it really tough on the offense. Uh, coach, as you uh, look at the rest of this week, uh, the scrimmage today, want to get some relievers, uh, some work in that five to seven innings that you'll work. Should be a great day weather wise to do that. And then uh, the plans for the rest of the week as you get ready for the opener. Yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, just kind of be normal practice days, reviewing um, some of our bunt defenses first and third defenses, getting some defensive work in, you know, taking BP, um, position players will be another left in, but uh, kind of status quo. I mean, we don't change a whole lot as I told our guys. I mean, our, our goal is to keep our processes individually the same and keep our standards with the team the same going into game week. And one thing uh, I did want to mention uh, and ask you is how you're feeling, uh, knee surgery in the uh, off season. And uh, I, I know you, you're, you look like you're moving around a lot better and a lot more comfortably. <laughs> well, yeah, I'd say that I I, uh, I look better than how I feel, but I'm good enough. That's all that matters for all the fans is I'm good enough to go out there and 
do my job. Uh, but no, I don't feel great. Um, I'm being totally transparent right. with you. Okay. Antibiotics make me feel like crap every day. So, um, but as far as being able to coach third base and do my job, I can do that. But our assistant coaches have been unbelievable. I mean, with me going through, I mean, it's one thing to have knee replacement surgery. It's another thing to have it done. And then five weeks later, they got to go back in and open you back up. You got to spend three days in the hospital and put a pick line in for six weeks. And I wouldn't wish that on anybody, just that pick line drains you and stuff and then taking oral antibiotics. So, but enough about me. I'll be ready to go when, uh, when they say play ball Friday. Well, best of luck, uh, continuing with that. And we're looking forward to seeing you Friday. Thank you, coach. Hey, thank you, Patrick. Appreciate it, buddy. We're going to return and wrap it up right after this. There are a ton of legendary calls that any voice of a university or sports team will make. Jeff Charles certainly did not uh, lack a great deal of those. You can paint these peaches purple with the Peach Bowl victory and rallying to beat NC State as one of them in 1992 for that 91 season, but also uh, in 93 with ECU going to the big dance, winning the CAA tournament. That is something that uh, Pirate fans will a long time remember, some other great calls as well, and we'll have some of those for you throughout the week. Uh, this is a collage of calls from that magical 91 season. The great David Horn, uh, our friend and colleague, put this together way back when. It was uh, a song that the team and head coach Bill Lewis had kind of assigned the team. It was a Kenny Rogers song that was kind of the, the song or the theme, if you will, of that 1991 ECU football team when you put your heart in it. And so some of the great signature calls from that season, including the monstrous win against Pitt and Jeff Blake's heroics late are included and in, in, intermersed into this. We're going to leave you with that today. We'll be back tomorrow in the morning on uh, Talk of the Town and here on the Patrick Johnson Show at 5 o'clock. A big thanks today to our guys behind the scenes. And also thanks to Kevin Monroe, Cy Seymour, and Coach Cliff Godwin. Uh, again, please say a prayer for Jeff's family and for Pirate Nation. And we really appreciate you listening today to the Patrick Johnson Show. Van Pelt, looking left, still looking left. In the pocket, time running out, two seconds, one second, it's caught. Time runs out, time runs out. Jerry Dillon was there and made the tackle. Pirate defense stiffens one more time. And the Pirates called the Panthers off the board. Who knows what will happen? Anything can happen.
Mike on the option. The keeper. He's got daylight. He's in. Touchdown, Perry. Chance in a lifetime. And we're gonna take it. And now, the play call of the year. When you put your heart in it. Pirate go for two to win it. Jeff White brings it out. I can take you anywhere.